Dateline, 30th of March, 2015. Well, g'day, folks. Welcome to the Australia Desk for episode 343. After a nice, pleasant week's break, well, I'm rather rested. How about you, Grant McHeron? I'm completely exhausted, mate. I'm still getting over what I was doing last week. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to hear it. I'm happy to hear it. Well, look, at least it was aviation-related. Yes, yes. I was doing annual inspections on a number of balloons up in uh, rural New South Wales, where the coverage was spotty at best. That's fantastic, Grant. And let me ask you, how were, how were all the cylinders and pistons looking in those engines? Okay, how were the wings looking? Okay, we're talking about different kind of aircraft here. I'm talking Assisting about on. gas cylinders, burners. <laughs> oh, balloons, envelopes. of course. Yes, yes, yes. I even got to get a flight in on the Thursday just before I jumped in the car for the eight-hour drive home. <laughs> Let's see. Okay, eight hours at grant speed. Okay, so it was 5,000 miles then, is that right? <laughs> Uh, no, 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 no. I just uh, was in a rental car and set the cruise control on just over, uh, you know, a few kilometres over the speed limit and just took it easy, actually. Ah, there you go. Okay, let's put our serious hats on just for one minute. Actually, probably for the first time in five years. Let's uh, uh, talk <laughs> Let's talk about uh, reaction here in uh, this part of the world to the uh, the very, very uh, sad events surrounding the recent uh, crash of the German Wings A320. It looks like Australia has uh, joined other jurisdictions, including Canada and New Zealand, uh, now requiring two people to be in the cockpit of regular public transport flights at all times, according to this article here in australianaviation.com.au. That's right, mate. I thought uh, I, I knew of a number of airlines that already had such a rule, and I thought Qantas was one of them. But, uh, yeah, here they are saying that uh, they will actually um, implement a, um, a two-crew cockpit, which means that if a, uh, if a pilot has to leave to go and make use of the amenities, then uh, they're going to arrange for a cabin crew member to uh, be on the flight deck. Now, um, until this moment, I'd known of a number of airlines that were doing this primarily in case something went wrong physically with the uh, co-pilot or the the pilot still in the flight deck. So if by chance they had a heart attack or um, there was an emergency or something like that, there were still two people there who could help out. So, uh, yeah, this is an interesting reaction. And look, i got to say, one of the reasons why that uh, pilot who was locked out couldn't get back in was um, because of the safety uh, actions we took post 9-11. So, yeah, it's... It's, um, it's interesting. The uh, protections that they put in, perhaps without thinking them fully through, have actually caused or contributed to a um, an accident. So hopefully the uh, the reactions that our politicians expect us to do and the airlines have to do to appear to be doing something for the public who demand something and then suddenly go quiet because it's no longer the news, um, hopefully it doesn't lead to bigger problems. Yes, it's uh, one of those things. And, uh, and interestingly, our friend Owen's up put a uh, blog post out on his uh, website just this week talking about uh, issues such as this. Um, his, uh, we'll put a link to that actually in the show notes uh, at thepilotsblog.com. Uh, you know, and he's talking about, uh, you know, what can we do to mitigate? I mean, how many of these things can we foresee and how many things, therefore, can we, we try and lock out? I mean, we are dealing with humans here. And sadly, and tragically in this case, humans make some some pretty ordinary decisions, I must say. <laughs> Tragic decisions, horrible decisions. Yeah, well, as... Uh, you know, the, the guy was in a bad space, and when you're in a bad space, you don't really uh, react or act as many people would expect. So, yeah, this is a tragic situation. Uh, but how far do we go? Uh, you know, what happens if the flight attendant who comes on the flight deck actually has a grudge? And you know, there's all sorts of what ifs. And 
eventually it comes to the point that you're only safest when you're sitting on the ground not flying at all. Yeah. And even then, the car that I'm driving probably causes a problem. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, um, that's exactly right. Yeah. Well, Qantas says, uh, said on Monday this week that the new rule would apply for them across its Qantas Jetstar and Network Aviation fleet. The only exception they're saying here would be for flights operated by its uh, Q200 and Q300 turboprops. There's only 18 of those in the fleet. And uh, also, Grant, uh, further down here, it says that uh, Virgin also confirmed that it would be policy at their airline for at least two crew in the cockpit at all times following a detailed risk review and consultation with CASA. So uh, it would be interesting to see what comes of this. Uh, a lot of people are uh, talking about this being, uh, you know, a knee-jerk reaction, and perhaps it is, but uh, there's always a political imperative here to be seen to be doing something, and uh, I guess uh, this is a pretty simple thing for uh, many governments around the world to uh, bring in this uh, two-person in the cockpit rule. Maybe it makes sense. I certainly don't proclaim to be an expert in any of this, but uh, I'm sure there are plenty of people who know more about it than I do that will have lots to say about it in coming weeks. Grant, let's talk about uh, all things defence. Uh, the Royal Australian Air Force 75 Squadron now taking over Operation Okra in the Middle East area of operations. 75 Squadron are taking their F-18A classic single-seaters over to the Middle East area of operations and uh, they will be replacing the uh, one squadron F-18F Super Hornets that are currently over there. They're changing now, so instead of being a two-crew operation with the uh, pilot and Wizzo, it's now down to a single pilot operating a classic Hornet. But uh, yeah, that's uh, time for the One Squadron guys to come back. They've uh, done an incredible job, and uh, now it's time for 75 Squadron to show that they can strut their stuff. A very proud squadron there too, uh, 75 Squadron, of course. Uh, One Squadron aircraft coming back have flown over 400 sorties in their seven-month deployment and uh, have flown 2,900 900 flight hours so uh, that's uh, you know if nothing else a lot of uh, great operational experience there for those uh, Super Hornet crews. That's right mate and that's uh, that operational experience will be coming back with those crews they'll be uh, training the uh, the guys back here on uh, what they've learnt and it's a great way to improve our operational procedures. It certainly is and uh, the best thing is that all those crews are coming home safely along with I guess uh, many of their support crews so uh, that's a really really wonderful thing I'm sure their families will be very happy to see them all home nice and safely Grant. Um, now talking about uh, that particular generation of uh, Super Hornet, we have uh, mentioned many times over the past year or so that Australia is in line to get some EA-18G growlers uh, coming up uh, in the next in the coming years. And uh, Grant, uh, we see another article here in Australian Aviation saying that the first EA-18 growler centre rear fuselage ship set, which is a term I've never heard before, has been produced by Northrop Grumman and uh, is ready for uh, shipping. Do you ship that's a right. ship set, Grant? Do you ship a ship set? Is that what you do with a ship set? I guess it is. Well, that's why they call it a ship set. It's for shipping, but uh, yeah, you do hear the phrase "ship set," as in it's a, a an assembly of parts that are shipped together as a set. And uh, yeah, it looks kind of kind of funky. It's uh, everything from after the cockpit to um, the tail cone. You've got the twin vertical stabilizers and the air intakes. No wings, of course, but uh, yeah, looks pretty impressive. And it's going to look even better when it's uh, fully assembled and painted grey with uh, RAF markings on it. Yeah, interestingly, Grant, the uh, the milestone ship set uh, see represents the 100th Hornet slash Super Hornet slash Growler ship set from Northrop Grumman for the Royal Australian Air Force. Uh, of course, uh, 75 of our original Hornets were built in the 1980s and 24 Super Hornets delivered from 2010. And uh, obviously that's now by Boeing, but uh, previously McDonnell Douglas. So uh, yeah, interesting that that tradition in some sort of strange way still continues, Grant. It's pretty good. Northrop Grumman have been churning out parts for the uh, Hornets of various versions for quite some time. So great to see they're continuing along with the Growler. Fantastic. And we're looking at getting those 
those uh, EA18Gs here, uh, and they'll be coming to, of course, to RAF Base Ambly up there in Queensland in 2017, about a year before we're supposed to get the F-35s, Grant, so uh, interesting times. You know, I wish I was young again and, you know, smart enough to be a RAF pilot. Wouldn't it be cool? Oh, it'd go pretty well, mate. It'd go pretty well if they'd let you near it. Now, Grant, before we sign off for this week, we want to give a shout-out to a friend of, uh, of our podcast and, of course, here on the Airplane Geeks, our friend Mick. You know, Mick uh, from the Frankston line, as I like to call him, and uh, Mick, who always fascinates Max Flight with his interesting turn of Australian phrase. In fact, sometimes we even struggle to understand what Mick's saying. But uh, a <laughs> big shout-out to Mick. He's uh, in hospital at the moment with some uh, some plumbing problems in his heart. Grant, that's not very good, is it? But uh, looks like he's going to survive. In fact, I hear he may have actually escaped from the hospital. Well, I was just going to say, I think we have an update. The prisoner has escaped. Caution, the prisoner has escaped. Last seen heading for the Frankston line. <laughs> on you, Mick. Well done, mate. Yeah, so uh, good on you, Mick, and uh, well done on escaping the hospital and, uh, you know, joining the, zip, the uh, Zipper Club, as it's called, and, uh, you know, you've got to hang around a bit longer, mate. We need those emails coming in. They always entertain us and they confuse Max, which is always hilarious. <laughs> yeah, Mick and I have been texting back and forth a bit about uh, the uh, rescue helicopters coming in and out and a number of other titles, and, uh, yes, also the um, the Aussies beating the Kiwis at the cricket. But anyhow... Oh, yes, I wasn't even going to mention that, but, oh, come on, there you go, Kiwis, Pile back onto your Air New Zealand flights and go dejectedly back to Auckland after Australia become the world champions at cricket. Grant, isn't it exciting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one time it happens in, in the history of the world and, yeah, you got to rub it in. Well, that shows how little you know about cricket, Grant. <laughs> I was hoping I'd get away with that. But anyhow. <laughs> well, that's everything we have for you on this triumphant week in the Australia desk. Until next week, I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm the sulking Grant McCarran. Oh, there, there, mate. You'll be all right. Yeah, Come yeah, on, yeah. Aussies. I, I didn't even watch it. What do I know? It's cricket.